S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Semi Rye here with another one of those podcasts with Semi Rye. This week, we're going to talk about The Continental. It's a new show on Peacock, but we're also going to talk about the reviews. There's some weird reviews going on right now for this show. We're going to talk about why is that? Is it cancel culture? Is something else going on here? What's going on with the, the reviews for The Continental? The actual show on Peacock, we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about Adobe. Adobe kind of got a little bit of hot water, made a bunch of money, made a bunch of people mad. They have some price hikes and changes to their creative class week. We're going to talk, what does it all mean? What does it matter? Is, is it justified, the hate that they're getting? Is the price hike worth it? What are you getting for your money? We're going to talk about those things when it comes to that. Also, Mortal Kombat 1 is out. The reviews are in. I'm going to tell you guys my take on Mortal Kombat 1. I'm a diehard Mortal Kombat fan. I got the game. We're going to see what I think about it. Also, we got Music of the Week and Movie of the Week. I kind of cheated. I threw a little movie in there. But mainly, I'm going to tell you guys about a great opportunity to catch up on a bunch of TV shows on HBO Max. There's a little little, little caveat to that. We're going to go hop into that. I'm not going to waste your time. Let's get right into it. So, The Continental is out on Peacock. And the reviews are in, and they're kind of mixed. Now, I'm a big John Wick fan. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm not coming from that perspective. Still, I hate bad TV shows. I hate bad anything. I'm not going to watch something just because it has a name brand on it. And I have to say, I really enjoyed The Continental. Um, is it the greatest TV show ever? I don't know. I'm not going to say all that. But, I mean, it's it's a very good TV show. And is everything I expected from a John Wick show, which makes these reviews I see going around... Very peculiar. I hate to be the kind of person that would think that there's some sort of conspiracy or people kind of banding together um, or, you know, in the media being controlled one way or the other. But I really don't get the reaction to this show versus the reactions to other major popular shows that come from most, you know, studios. Um, You know, The Continental has everything I would think you would want from a John Wick TV show. It has... Action. You want to see action. You want to see, you know, different violence and choreography. That's there. I've seen some people, you know, criticizing the fact that the director that, um, you know, does the films, I think originally was supposed to do a few episodes and they didn't end up doing any of the episodes. Um, it ended up being a three part like event. That's what they're calling it. It's basically three episodes. However, the first episode's an hour and a half long. It's like a movie. It's basically 90 minutes. Um, so I really enjoyed watching it. I actually paused it a few times because it was pretty long. And, um, you know, unlike, you know, I love Marvel shows, but many of those shows come out in the first week. It might be 20 minutes long, and it's kind of unsatisfying sometimes. So the John Wick show being an hour, almost hour and a half long, um, was very satisfying, and it felt like a, a movie. It had a beginning, a middle, and the end. It had a problem, and by the end of it, it was done. There is interesting, um, you know, ideas of what's going to happen next. But for, you know, one of our main characters, they go through a whole character arc in, in that basically film almost. So when I say it's a miniseries or a three-part event, I, I don't think it's that inaccurate because it's like watching a whole, you know, your own little movie. It takes place in the 50s, and I, I had this problem with any prequel show. Um, I don't think it's that interesting when you go back into a time period that's different than the time period that we enjoy. So if you take, you know, Captain America, for example, and say we're going to go show you um, he's actually the worst example I could think of because some of his story actually does happen in the past. If you take Iron Man, right, and say we're going to go back and show you when he doesn't have a robot suit and he's just like got a cardboard suit. I don't think that's ever really that cool or interesting. Um, but the 50s has its own style to it. And, and in, in New York at the time, one thing I thought was kind of cool 
was a showing that New York is actually not doing that good. So a lot of the cool things you would see normally in John Wick, a lot of the beautiful you know clubs and the luxuriousness and everything like that going on, you only see it really inside the Continental. The city outside is suffering. And there's a detective character, there's a New York detective character, and one thing I will mention about the show that's cool is they address some of the questions um, that people would have about how does this world work? You know, how does how does the police deal with the Continental? Do are they aware of the Continental? Um, are they aware of all these assassins in their city? If they're not, why not? I saw one review, a big popular review, saying that there wasn't much um, you know, needed in this story. I don't think this stuff is necessarily crucial, but I think as a fan, it's interesting to see, you know, how does that function in the city? That kind of adds a bit of context. So when you go back and watch the John Wick films, there's a few other little details that they fill in, and why not? That's that's a kind of a cool thing. Um, again, is it the most crucial thing? No, but I, I love Star Wars and I watch the Star Wars shows. And I can tell you, not every single Star Wars TV show that comes out is crucial to the plot of all the Star Wars shows. But that's not what you're watching it for. You're watching it because you enjoy the property. You want to see the world building. You want to see these things get expanded upon. And I think that they do that just fine in the Continental. Um, another criticism I saw was that it doesn't have a lot of star power. Um, besides Mel Gibson being in the show, and I guess I'm going to go on the record here and say that, you know, when you have a, an actor, any actor, we, we, I think we're naive to this idea that, you know, growing up watching Mel Gibson or any actor in films or, you know, shows, I don't know who these people are in real life. You hear all kinds of stories. You hear people, stories about people being mean or saying horrible things or doing horrible things. But still, when you're watching them, you're watching them for whatever it is they do, right? And I, I get that as a culture now, we gang up on people and we cancel people and we make them, you know, you know, horrible and take their money and all this stuff. Um, and, you know, I think people, when you look at these situations, they apologize, they try to make amends or, you know, we do whatever it is that they do. At the end of the day, you're sitting there watching the show and this person's in the show and you're trying to see if you enjoy it. And I see that reviews are basically, I guess maybe that's the reason. They're kind of trying to bomb the show, maybe because Mel Gibson's in it and they were mad that they gave him a job. I don't know. He's not in the show a whole lot from what I've seen. Um, and he does a decent job of what he's supposed to do when he's in the show. So why not? I really don't understand, you know, when it comes to these these topics, why we're still mad at Mel Gibson. I don't know if he did anything last week or, you know, a year ago that I, for some reason, didn't hear about. But I know all the things Mel Gibson got in trouble for back in the day. My understanding is that he's made amends. And obviously the studio has decided to work with him in this situation so here we are. Let's move forward. So I don't know. Maybe magazines or you know reviewers just think they have to still attack this person. Um, maybe that's the big reason why. But again, not the main character, and that's the biggest, I guess, star that they brought to the the show. Um, the, but I think this is also a good chance to give other actors a chance to shine, and I think that's what they're doing in this situation. Some of the actors' faces seem a little familiar, but again, you're seeing new people. Everyone does a good job doing what they have to do. And I thought it was really enjoyable. So I recommend it. I think, you know, if you like John Wick, watch The Continental. Is it as good as John Wick? Is it the greatest John Wick thing necessarily? I wouldn't go into it looking that way. I go into it looking at the fact that, you know, it's September. How much other stuff's on TV to watch? If you're super busy, you know, can you wait and put it off? Sure. I mean, I have other big name shows that I'm, I haven't got around to watching. Um, so, yeah, you watch it if you want to. Don't watch it if you don't want to. But I recommend it. So if you guys have a chance, check it out. I believe it's streaming on Peacock. That's my take on The Continental. Music of the week. 
This week, we're going to talk about Lindsey Sterling. Lindsey Sterling is a violinist and a pretty cool violinist, right? Um, it's I think it's always hard for people who play in those kind of, you know, I guess you would, I don't want to call them niche because it's not necessarily a niche, but just not the mainstream, you know, versions of how we see music nowadays. You know, if someone just plays the, the violin, or the violin is obviously where she plays the, the piano or a guitar, it's hard for them to kind of cut through. And Lindsey Sterling's a, an artist worth highlighting. Um, she plays the violin and plays it very cool. And it's not so much even just the music she plays, but she has cool videos. She has cool visuals to go with her videos. She has cool collaborations that she does. And the backtracking that goes with the violin playing, I think, also takes it to the next level. I don't know if she produces that herself or she has a team that works with her. But Lindsey Sterling has some cool songs. Check out Shatter Me by Lindsey Sterling. I think that's a really good one. The Arena is one that always gets me a little hype. I can put that on a workout playlist. Um, it's also good music kind of to study to because a lot of the songs don't have lyrics. Shatter Me has lyrics. The Arena, I believe, doesn't has, have lyrics. And you can put on a Lindsey Sterling playlist that will then take you to other artists that do similar kind of music. And again, it's a good auto playlist to put onto your Spotify. Um, my, my daughter got into violin recently, and one of the things I recommended was having her listen to violin music just to kind of, you know, put it all into her head and, and get used to hearing the sounds. And she absolutely loves Lindsey Sterling. And that's awesome for us because as parents, you know, we like Lindsey Sterling for a few years already. And I didn't really think about that too much. You know, I'll only go ahead and put this on for my daughter to kind of expose her to the music. But, you know, great idea. You can Google anything, right? And Google say, hey, go ahead and, and you know, expose your kids to some other kind of music. Um, and she's probably heard Lindsey Sterling when she was younger, just like in the house. But now, now we're actually sitting down and focusing, watching the videos, seeing, you know, I know for her, it's definitely a cool thing seeing a girl playing the violin and doing it so cool. The same way she sees Billie Eilish or Rihanna or any other big artist making cool videos. It's awesome to see how, like, the possibility is there where, you know, I wouldn't fault anyone 10 years ago if they said, hey, I want to play a certain instrument. Um, you know, how can I make it cool? I'm like, we have to innovate. And Lindsey Sterling is definitely an artist that's innovated and taken that instrument and tried to do something cooler with it and bring it into the, you know, the next millennium or whatever you want to call it. Bring it into modern times. So if you haven't checked her out, check her out. She's a lot of great songs on Spotify. Really no bad songs, and that's another great thing about that kind of music. Is it's all beautiful in some kind of a way. So check out Lindsey Sterling. That's my pick for Music of the Week. So Mortal Kombat 1 is out. I got it on the PS5. In, the reviews are in. Mortal Kombat 1 is one of the greatest video games I've ever played. And this comes from being a person who... My, my friend, my, my dear close friend... We used to be very excited about Mortal Kombat games when they were coming out. We'd, we'd every day go online looking for every little detail. And it could sometimes be fun. It could sometimes be toxic. Hanging out in a kind of Mortal Kombat community because the fans are rabid. Every single detail, every single clue, especially from the master, Ed Boon, um, and how he uses Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, how he, you know, teases details and stuff. He's able to keep people excited for months on end with just the smallest detail. Sometimes I feel like it's just going in no direction, just kind of playing with you. But me and my friend decided to avoid all that this year. So there was zero hype. The game came out. I didn't even know which day it actually came out. I didn't really care about it. I wasn't going to get it on the first, the first day. Um, the reviews came out. I heard people talking about it. And then, you know, eventually I was going to get it. So I have no hype going into this. So this is one of the first games, I would say, in a very long time, that I saw almost no trailers. Every time I see a picture, I kind of would just scroll by it. So I'd glance at it, 
but I wasn't trying to, you know, purposely watch these things or, you know, understand what's going on with the game. So when I got the game, for the most part, besides obviously the details you just happened to hear over the years, I didn't know much about it. It's called Mortal Kombat 1. I played all the Mortal Kombat games. I know everything about Mortal Kombat. Test me, right? I dare you. Uh, so I'm a big fan, but I honestly thought, you know, after the last few games, I didn't really feel like this could be that much different. I kind of thought, you know, how much better could it be? I think they're already close to perfect. I like them all. Um, there's different problems with any video game. So I know some people I see on the forums, the message boards complain about every single thing that comes out. I'm not the kind of a person. I enjoy it. I appreciate it for what it is. And yeah, everything isn't perfect. That's life. You move on, right? Um, however, Mortal Kombat is pretty close to perfect in my book. All of the games that come out, um, well, not all of them in the past, but like I guess you would say uh, Mortal, so Mortal Kombat 9 is when they became NetherRealm Studios. So at that point, since then, I feel like they've been banging on all cylinders. They've been, they've been doing amazing things. Um, and again, as address every criticism I think people ever have, is I don't care. <laughs> every, every time they're like, ah, I'm mad about this character not being in the game, or I'm mad about this small detail. It, it's, it's trivial in comparison to the fact that I remember Mortal Kombat. I remember when the games were bad. There were some really bad games that they did over the years, or games that just... Maybe bad isn't fair, but times are different. They tried different ideas. It didn't work out. That's more of a fair thing to say. I mean, am I saying it didn't work out? It didn't work out to me. I'm sure other people might have loved them, right? And there were still cool things. I love the story. Overall, as crazy as the story is, I love most of the stories from all the games. So Mortal Kombat 1 is kind of like a soft reboot, where if you don't know the premise of it, after Mortal Kombat 11... Um, one of the characters basically tries to reset the timeline. That's like their wish or their power they get. They keep it vague and not try to give you too many spoilers. And you end up in a situation where you're kind of going back to what Mortal Kombat 1 was. Now, I think I played Mortal Kombat 1 around 1993. Um, that's kind of crazy to think about that. Is that over 30 years ago? I think so. Um, about 30 years ago, something like that, right? 30 years ago to the actual year. Yeah, 1993. And... It's it's amazing to look at that game and and think that it was a you know a two D game on a Sega Genesis or an arcade cabinet. I actually ended up playing the arcade cabinet this week too, um, just for a comparison. And the graphics, oh you know the PS Five, these next gen systems or whatever, is so amazing to go back and see those ideas, those locations, and parts of those stories represented with the Unreal Engine and brought to life on the new generation of systems. It's magical. I mean, I, I never pictured that when I was a kid. I kind of thought Mortal Kombat would always look the way it looked in my memory. But now you get to go back and see a slight retelling of that story with some twist, and that's really fun. The storytelling, I think, is superb on the, sh on the game because it's, it's a coherent story for new people, but also they play with some of the ideas and details that you used to know. You might see a character, and because this is a new timeline that's been you know redone, the character's purpose or what they're doing now might be different. And every single character is refreshing in that way. And take a franchise that now we're saying has basically 12 games, if not a few more, with spinoffs and things like that. To be able to make every single character refreshing with this plot device. And also the clever writing of, you know, giving them not, you know, typical things to do. They, some of them have some interesting things to do. And the way things go are pretty daring, in my opinion. Um, there's some concepts they introduced that I did not think they'd introduce in a Mortal Kombat game. And ultimately, eventually, it gets to a point where they, I think the story becomes very satisfying and you get a great story within the game, 
but also it's a love letter again to Mortal Kombat's past, which they kind of already did on Mortal Kombat 9. That was one of the main reasons I wasn't interested in this new idea, because Mortal Kombat 9's premise was Raiden was resetting the timeline, um, and it goes horribly wrong in Mortal Kombat 9, which sparked the events of 10 and 11. Um, I liked, I think, 10 the most because it was going into a new territory. And then um, I believe 11, I'm trying to remember them all in order now. And I believe 11, the way it ended, I thought it was very epic. It introduced Kronika, which is a new villain and the whole idea of, you know, messing with the time stream. At the end of 11, I didn't really know where it was going. I didn't know what they were saying. So now I think 11's even better because I know what they did with one. I see the point. It felt like at the end of 11, almost as if they were trying to end Mortal Kombat, but they didn't really know how to end it, and they wanted to obviously keep it over for sequels. But now I see that there was, a, there was a point the entire time, and it's very impressive because I did not think they were going to do what they did. So that's the story. Gameplay-wise, the gameplay is just as good as ever. You know, NetherRealm has proven that they are top dogs. I mean, everyone can fight for number two at this point. I'm sorry. Um, but they're top dogs when it comes to fighting games. They make too many fighting games that other companies can't, you know, compare. If you say, oh, Tekken 7. I grew up loving Tekken. Tekken was my favorite fighting game, technically. The one I played the most growing up. Even though I probably like Mortal Kombat's story a little bit better. Um, but NetherRealm has made, you know, Mortal Kombat 9, 10, 11, and Justice 1 and 2. And the same time frame, it feels like that other companies have made just Tekken 7. So it's like, you know, in that time, they've made so many different games. They've played with different mechanics. They've you know, tweaked and rebalanced those games. And it all shows in Mortal Kombat 1. So you're not going to get a better, you know, playing fighting game. I think the controllers are a little bit challenging um, as opposed to some of, like, the modern controllers or other things you see in other fighting games for, like, Street Fighter, for example. Um, there's a few combos and things you'll have to learn for your characters. But typically, they don't go past maybe three buttons, you know, direction and three different buttons. Um, and then it's just you, you know, maybe linking you know, one of those things you should know with another thing you know. And you got six buttons there. And that's pretty much as far as you have to go with it. It doesn't have to get that much more complicated. Online play isn't that competitive. Everyone's kind of doing that same thing. Um, there are some characters. I feel like I think, you know, Smoke as a character I think is way too overpowered. Um, I think they need to change him or do some things with him. Besides that, though, no, no one else really stands out as being very different. Everyone else kind of, you know, falls into, into line with each other. And that's perfect. After you play the story, which is lengthy, it took me about three days to get through the story, um, there's another mode called Invasion. And Invasion is kind of a story mode in itself, if you think of it that way. And you move around a board, and you fight these little challenges. And I think they're fun. It's a fun way to practice. You can play with any character. The game doesn't penalize you for switching characters. So when it comes to like playing single player by myself, I feel like I would always play an invasion. You're always earning something or getting something. So why not just play an invasion? There's classic towers where you can play through and get your you know your story content. And there's even daily and hourly towers that rotate, but they're hidden somewhere. So you got to find out where they're at. And I thought that was cool because I kind of first missed that feature. I was like, wait a second. I don't know why they completely took that feature out. And then I realized they didn't. They just put it somewhere else that I didn't expect it to be. So again, refreshing, surprising, all great details. The costumes look amazing. And so far, there's nothing else that you have to buy. I was very worried with how aggressive I felt like they were advertising the premium bundle, which is basically another $40 on top of the $7 game. Um, and 
I, I now realize it's 100% worth it. I kind of regret not pre-ordering it and getting that all together. I would have saved only eight bucks. You know, I'd have got, um, I would have got Shang Tsung and I would have got the cool Jean-Claude Van Damme skin. Not the biggest deal, but when I'm playing the game and it's so close to perfect, I, I much rather given them my money right up front and, you know, got those other little bonuses while I'm playing. But it gives me something to look forward to. I'll go ahead and pick up those characters, that, that Chunk Song. I'll pick them up soon. And then I'll get the season pass and I'll get my John my John Claude Van Damme skin, which I'm sure will be fun. And yeah, I hope everyone tries it out. Um, I also played Street Fighter VI this year and I was playing it this week also. And I also enjoy that. So if you want, if you're a big fan, you get them both. I think we're really lucky right now on this generation of systems because I think when Tekken 8 comes out, it's also a must-have. Um, I heard some people say they didn't like it because they played a beta and it's a little it's a little different. So that would be disappointing. But again, unless you're some kind of championship pro-level player, you're not going to be listening to my opinion. Um, and if you're just a regular person, which I think I fall into the lines of when it comes to fighting games, I really enjoyed them. And I think that they're fun. I'm sure Tekken 8 will have fun features and cool characters. So to see that again on a brand new system will probably look good. And, you know, it'd be fun to play with your friends or even by yourself. Um, I think Mortal Kombat 1 is my, my favorite for playing by yourself. There's a lengthy story. There's, you know, some sections worth repeating over and over again. And the story's so good, I definitely could see going through it at least one more time. And then you invasion mode, I think, gives you lots of things to do. You kind of can approach that multiple ways. Um, a lot of things to do here. So definitely check out Mortal Kombat 1 if you can. Play it with a friend or go out and just go ahead and buy it. It's not going to be another one for probably another three, four, or five years. It's money well spent. So we're going to talk Adobe, we're going to talk AI, we're going to talk making lots of money, and we're also going to talk products that, you know, people don't like paying for, but man, if the products are that good and you see the money going into the product, I don't see what the complaint is. Um, if you're someone using Adobe products at this point, you better be making money off of those products or cancel your subscription or stop complaining. I don't know why people are paying for Photoshop when there's a million ways to edit your photos, there's, you know, Affinity Photo Designer or whatever. Um, there's uh, a million apps. Like my phone has so many apps to edit photos. Every single kind of way you can edit photos. There's all kinds of ways you can edit photos for AI. This stuff comes out every single day. By next year, there'll probably be another thousand different ways to edit your photos. So you don't have to pay for Photoshop. If you're a professional and you're paying for Photoshop... And you have the package from Adobe with their like $25 or $30 package. Or you're paying for the $50 package like I have paid for for like the last seven years. I've made almost no money off of Adobe. I'm not complaining about it because the products have constantly gotten better. Watching the products month after month, they are constantly improving, constantly getting better. They're bringing versions of those products to the iPad, which I always wanted them to do. They're, the money goes someplace. It's not like Adobe takes that money and they're just doing something else with it, doesn't matter. They're creating a, a, a suite of, of products that are unbeatable. This is why other companies cannot come for them. And I'm not an Adobe fan. I would love for it to be free. But I can't be mad at a company that's making record-breaking earnings this year. They, their quarter three of 2023, they had an increase, I believe it was 10 or 13% um, over their, their regular annual revenue, close to like $4 billion dollars. Um, this, these are the guys who do the PDF reader, right? <laughs> like, like you might, most people use Adobe for just a simple process. Um, but this is amazing. What they've done, you know, I remember the days where if you wanted a copy of Photoshop, it was like $800. 
And then when they made the next Photoshop, it was also another $800. Or there might have been like a $400 upgrade or something like that to do. It was such a giant wall to be on the outside looking in. If you're one of those people out there and you think that you're smart and clever and you're like, oh, I used to steal the program. I didn't care. Then you're not, your, your vote doesn't even count, all right? You're not a part of the, the, the solution. You're part of the problem because that is what led Adobe into this, this spectrum where they, they had to create a situation where they had to, you know, verify your usage, verify that you're online using it because they knew you guys were stealing the programs anyway. So again, you don't count, right? And even then, you were stealing an $800 program for what? You making money off of it? No, probably not, right? If you were, then you should be happy with it. It's a small investment into any kind of business that you have. If you're a photographer and you're making money off of Adobe Photoshop, why are you caring that you're paying $20 a month for this program? It's, it's sm- I pay more for my website. Like It's small peanuts compared to you know, um, anyone who has a business. And what they did, and they, this is the same thing that I kind of credit you know, Epic for doing when it comes to Fortnite. By them you know, creating Adobe stock and then bringing in all these stock photos, they were solving a problem that everyone else is complaining about and didn't realize they, they had already solved this problem years ago. Number one, if you want to get access to stock images, there's all these kind of websites. You, you never even know if it's even worth it buying their licensing to their stock photos. Again, are you making money off these photos? If you buy some license from some website, are they going to defend you in court? Is there really, how do you know that that uploader is really the photographer, the person who created that photo? You know, there's a lot of research you have to do on your own. And you know through Adobe, if you get their photos from their programs, that's it. You have to worry about it. Now, everyone's been complaining about AI. AI stealing everyone's work, stealing this, ripping me off, and this and that and third. Now, with Adobe's training their AI on just their photos that they own, this solves that problem. And they can go ahead and purchase all the photos they want and all the artists they want and pay them and put their stuff in their database. And their AI, when you're using their products, you know for your business, you don't have to worry about it. You're having the power of AI, avoiding that legal thing because it's just training off of their AI or their, their photo stock that they have there. All your problems are solved. They solved the problem in less than a year. The whole talk about AI is really started about a year ago. And within that year, Adobe already saw it coming. It's already integrating it into its programs. It raised its prices on its programs because of this new feature. But now you have the future. I, I couldn't even imagine if you'd have told me 10, 15 years ago, hey, your Photoshop can help you, you, know, you know, clean up certain tasks faster or generate content for you to help you make your pictures. Every single thing we had to do in Photoshop, we had to do it by hand. It was a much more labor-intensive process. It's getting better than ever. They're increasing the price, but it's getting better than ever. And giving you a brand new feature that if you go to any competitors, if you're messing with any other AI program, you still don't know if the other shoe is going to drop and your content or things you're making, you're going to get sued. So Adobe, Adobe won. They won and they're making the money. And people a lot of times don't like to talk about money. They like, I think people always pretend as if successful businesses just rob people. No, they're making the money because people are giving them their money. I'm giving them my money willingly for the last five years. I've seen this product has consistently gotten better over, over this time. It makes mankind better. It makes all the art that we see better. That's why I like Unreal. People sometimes ask me, why do you care you know, if Epic makes a bunch of money? Why do you care if the Unreal Engine, yada, yada? Like, just play your game. Why do you care about these things? Because I'm aware that the benefits this has on society, the fact that you can watch a show like The Mandalorian, and you also can play a game like Mortal Kombat 1, and it's all being made inside the same program, and my daughter, my 8-year-old daughter, can download that for free, 
I remember the days of paying eight hundred dollars for Photoshop. I remember the days of trying to figure out ways to get a copy of Photoshop for cheaper. And if you wanted to express yourself, you couldn't do it. But your kids right now, they can go learn using the same tools that the industry professionals are using right from the comfort of their house as a child. There's no barrier of entry. That is unheard of. I mean, when we talk about you know, society and all the unfair advantages people have and the privilege people have, I understood that. I, I've been through that life and seen that certain people you know, are set up to, in a situation where they have to work a lot harder to do certain things. So I remember you know, having... Kids my age that lived in different areas or had different kind of families, they could buy expensive camera equipment or could buy whatever program they wanted to use. And it wasn't that big of a deal to them and their parents. And for me, there was literally nothing I could do. I would have to save up, you know, realistically a year's worth of money or more, which is not very realistic when you have constant problems coming at you, no health insurance, all kinds of things coming from a more impoverished area. I cannot imagine what my life would have been like if I had something like the Unreal Engine they have now for free and I had all the time in the world. That is, in, is incredible that this kind of thing exists. So I'm always excited for that. I'm excited that people can go into Fortnite and they can make maps for free. And I'm excited that you know for a certain you know, small price, you can go ahead and try Adobe for just a few months and see if you like it and see if these things are going to help you with you and your business or whatever it is that you're doing. And if you don't think so, then you can cancel it. And that's, that's all there is to it. Other people are going to keep supporting the products. So if you guys never tried it, if you're an artist and you haven't taken the plunge, you don't know if it's worth it, you see all the negative talk this product gets online, I'm telling you, that it's the suite is amazing. If you have the computer for it, or you have the need for these programs, go ahead and try them out. There's a lot of single-use apps. Like I like, I like Affinity Drawler. I like Affinity Designer on the iPad. That's cool. But it's, it's a whole other level. When you go into Photoshop, the amount of tutorials... Udemy classes, the information, and you can figure out how to do anything on those programs all from the comfort of your own home for the charge of somewhere between 30 to like 50 or $60 a month based on exactly what it is you're trying to put in your PC. I recommend you try it out. Movie of the week would normally go right here, but I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to do you one better because what's better than one hour or two hours of movies? How about like, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours of TV? That's, that's how the game works nowadays. HBO Max has seven AMC Plus shows inside of it for free with no ads. Even if you're paying for the ad version or the ad tier supported for Max, AMC Plus shows have no ads inside of the app. And that's pretty cool because if you have even the basic tier of HBO, that means for the next two months, two months only, you can watch the entire show, the entire series or whatever of seven of these shows. One, Gangs of London. Gangs of London is a show that I think is very good. It has a great production value, an interesting story, and I started watching it on one of my free trials and I never got to finish it. I'm really happy that's there and I can go check it out. Um, if you're into witchcraft and stuff like that, A Discovery of Witches is one of the shows on there. Interview with a Vampire, I'm a big fan of the movie, but the show didn't exactly grab me. However, it's a very good show, very well made, very well acted. Um, I probably needed to binge it quicker because I think there's about seven episodes. And I just felt like, I, I guess I was disappointed that the show in my head, where I thought it was going to be, was them showing the characters through several years of their lives or time periods. And I believe the show kind of focuses on like just one year or one 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 time period, basically. And I was disappointed about that. 
But again, that's my fault because the show I thought it was going to be in my head. And I always criticize people when they do that. I think it's not fair to the showmakers because like, they don't know what your imagination was going to be. So I was a little disappointed with Interviewed Vampire. That's my fault. However, I know other people like the show and um, definitely it's something you guys to check out. I'm going to go through here real quick. Killing Eve. Killing Eve is a very funny show. Um, I got to watch most of that show with my wife. And it's a cool, like, detective assassin kind of show. And it's, it does a lot of its own little spins on it. So, again, Killing Eve is a show worth checking out. Dark Winds is a show I did like. It's a little slow. I didn't get to finish it, but that's one of the ones I will be finishing. Dark Winds is a cool show because I like shows that are based on Native Americans. Um, I have Native Americans, people who are more into the Native American aspect of our culture in my family. And... um. You don't see a lot of shows about that. I know I liked um, Reservation Dogs for the same reason. To see that life and stuff like that, I only get to see that sometimes with some people in my family and kind of see, like, what are they dealing with or what are the ideas or problems in their lives. Dark Winds follows, like, a police force that is around a reservation. I don't think it's just on a reservation. And uh, there's something going on. They kind of play with this concept of, like, there's superstition and possibly magic that comes from Native American culture. Is it real or is it not real? Is it just people doing bad things or is it actually something more? And when I was when I was watching it, at that point, you still didn't know. I thought that was a really cool way to go about a show. Um, I also seen a show made from HBO Max Europe or HBO Europe. It's all in Spanish, but there's I think the subtitles are really good. It's called 30 Coins. Um, that's an HBO show on just regular Max. It's not a part of the AMC Plus thing. But I want to mention it because I thought the show was very good. In the first episode, they were doing things that um, I did not expect them to do. And basically, it follows the story of a priest who gets outcasted because I guess he did something wrong. I didn't get to what he did wrong yet so far. However, I liked the, the, the character of the priest. I liked the actor playing the priest. And again, you know, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, or if you guys got to the segment, yeah, I talked about the criticism the Continental got for not having star power. However, you know, when we go and we, we love and praise shows from overseas, I don't know any of these actors, right? Um, so, again, you know, I think it's an unfair way to criticize a show and say it doesn't have star power. Give, you know, give these other guys chances. If they're doing something good, let's watch them. Let's see what they do. Um, check out 30 Coins on HBO Max. Definitely worth checking out. And let me take a brief look through here and see if there's any one other shows before I miss it. Because I was really excited about this, and I wanted to put this into the segment this week. Because it's really cool that you get access to the app. I like AMC+. Plus, But again, I don't think that every single service should have... Um, every single channel or network should have their own streaming service. I think it divides up the content. Gangs of London is a show I think that everyone will be talking about. If it was on HBO, if it was on regular cable, and everyone could watch it. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to put all these shows behind paywalls. It has to hurt popularity of the show. And these actors are only going to be young for so long. They're only going to be able to do these things for so long. Um, Fear of the Walking Dead, that was another one on here. I'm not a big fan of Fear of the Walking Dead. However, at this point, the show's been out for a long time. It may not be that bad to binge it and catch, you know, catch up and go through it. Again, a lot of content. You know, if you're sitting down and want to throw something on in the background, that's one probably worth checking out. Um, and then there's Ride with Norman Reedus. I probably wouldn't watch the show, but it's like a reality show. Maybe it might be a little interesting. But that's really cool, and that's what I'm putting in here instead of Movie of the Week because, honestly, there wasn't really a lot of movies this week that um, I saw or you know thought were that interesting to mention. So go check them out, and if, if you're really mad that I cheated, uh, put it Blade. Blade is the Movie of the Week. <laughs> Blade's the movie starring Wesley Snipes. Kind of kicked off all the superhero movies we talk about. That's also available on Max. And yeah, I'll, you haven't watched Blade in a while? Go watch Blade. It's a really good film. I'll throw that in there also for Movie of the Week. 
the after show. Go ahead, take a stretch, let your hair down. You made it. You made it to the secret section, the Easter egg. You know, when we stop and we stop all the showmanship and we just relax and it's, it's just get real, right? If you think, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. You made it this far this week. Um, you know, I always say this stuff, my personal stuff to the very end is if you guys come in for pop culture or whatever it is that you like that I do, I appreciate you and thank you so much. And if you care a little bit about Sammy, you want to know what's going on with his life, that's what this part of the podcast is about. Um, you know, this week, I guess the most important thing going on is my daughter, which is always usually my number one thing I got going on. Uh, my son is very low maintenance. Always got to mention that. Throw it out there, right? You got to be a good parent. Make sure you're not missing anybody. He doesn't care, right? He's upstairs. He's like playing on his phone. He's doing good. He's a senior this year. I got a senior portraits and he looks very handsome. And it was amazing seeing him, you know, transition from such a small little boy. Um, he's my stepson. So I got him when he's like five. I always tell people that. And um, it's cool seeing, you know, his life and, and all the things he's gone through, the ups and downs and his whole story. It's a journey. Um, and I think everybody has that one good book in them. And that's your life story. And he's definitely one of those kids that he's got a story in him. And I'm really proud of him and everything that he's done. Um, but, you know, he doesn't require a lot of maintenance. You know, it's kind of like, hey, man, how you doing? You need anything? Not dad. I'm like, all right, cool. There's nothing really going on. So that's kind of where he's at most of the time. Um, but my daughter, you know, she's she's swimming, doing really great in swimming. Um, and she's also getting into the violin. And I have to admit, you know, I don't toot my own horn. I don't like looking at myself thinking I'm doing anything better than anybody else. I'm not saying that. Um, but I come from a very rough city. I come from a really rough background. I don't talk about that a lot. But when I do, I only bring it up to say, man, it, it does feel good to be in a situation where I'm standing there in a music store and someone's explaining to me this violin um, and then I'm sending my daughter to like, it's like starter orchestra class, something like that. Um, and able to afford these things and pay for these things and do these things and give her opportunities to be exposed to things and not just exposed to, you know, the concept, but also having teachers and the support system and all these things. It changes things. And her, her swimming class, she's crushing it. I'm constantly in there, people watching, watching other kids, I'm not being super competitive or anything. I just want to know if I'm doing a good job as a parent. And I see the teachers react to my daughter swimming. We take her, you know, we do also like these extra swim classes we go to where it's all the family. And we practice with her and we train her basically. And, um, you know, she's no Tiger Woods or swimming or nothing like that. We're not doing something extreme like that maybe. But she does very good for the environment that she's in. She's at the top of that class definitely. And I, I don't see any other people here. You know, I don't see any other competitors or any other people that, you know, um, would blow her away or something like that for at least for the level that she's in. She does really, really well, and the teachers react to her. They think that she's really impressive. And I watch it. They're different with her, you know, and they, they see that she's doing something that's a bit remarkable. And that's really cool. I really like that she pushes herself, and I'm all for that. I'm all for pushing herself for more. You know, I'm always talking about that on the podcast. And um, it's nice as a parent, at least for this period of time, it may not last forever, but to see that those things are connecting, that those things are working. I've had much more success um, with her than I did with my son, I think, at that age. He was more of a relaxed kind of kid, he didn't, you know, with different kind of people. And that's all well and good. But again, seeing it this time, you know, with her, it's actually clicking a lot better. She's going after these things. It's very enjoyable. It's very fun to, to see that. And um, it's, I think it's something that a lot of times for parents, you know, to have that hard work pay off or to see it paying off, I guess, you know, when you're, when you're actually trying to teach it is always really rewarding. Um, outside of that, you know, playing Fortnite, playing Mortal Kombat, Trying to relax and get through those things, getting back into drawing recently, um, and then playing the Marvel Multiverse RPG game, which has been really hard to find people to play that with. 
But I'm see. I saw an idea where you could play it through Discord. I'm contemplating doing that, but really not much going on with there. The best thing, I guess, is the winter is here. Our winter is coming. And that is such a nice electricity. I love that beginning, that brisk air that comes. It brings an energy, I think, to the air where it feels like since it's so nice outside, you can do anything. It's not freezing where you feel like you're being killed by the cold and you need to be constantly wrapped up and bundled up. Um, it just puts a little energy in the air. It's like, hey, move around. Get your, get your blood pumping. Keep yourself warm. I like that a lot. With summertime, sometimes you want to find a shade and get cool. Um, but the winter, I feel like it's kind of like, yeah, move around and do something. Maybe it's because I'm from the East Coast and I'm used to the winter more. Um, but we're looking forward to that. Besides that, everything else I think is going good. Getting a chance to reconnect with some family members over the weekend. That was awesome. Um, seeing family, being able to kind of put those bonds back together and hopefully strengthen them in the near future. That's awesome. Great thing to do. And I hope you guys are having a great time. That's pretty much everything I have going on for this week. I'm not going to waste your time. I hope you guys are doing good. Hit me up and DM me if you want to play some um, you know, Marvel Mar multiplayer game or the, the Dungeons & Dragons game that I'm looking into. Both of them are games I'm interested in trying. And I'm not against using Discord or doing something more remote, um, but also even getting together. If you're around the area in person, that could also be fun. Honestly, Mirai, thank you guys so much for having an amazing week. I hope you guys are also having an amazing week. Take care. Peace.